It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we get started today, I just wanted to give a big shout out to everybody listening and to the entire Locked On Mavericks fan base slash people that listen slash people that accidentally subscribe slash anybody that has ever listened to the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. This is the 300th episode of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast since the guy started at the beginning. So I want to give a big shout out and thank you to David Locke for giving us this opportunity. Also, thank you to Mike Marshall and to Jake Kemp. Uh, for taking this on and for starting this, kind of growing the show at the very beginning from its from from nothing essentially, and to, to build it up and to now uh, pass it over to us. So we are just very grateful. It is not the 300 show for Isaac and I. Isaac only considers the number of shows that we have done together, but I like the history of it. I like that we're part of something. I like that uh, this is the 300 show, and I think that's worth noting. So thank you to everybody that has listened to the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. Uh, and if this is your first time, thanks so much for making the 300th show your first. And now, let's turn it over to uh, Radio Voice Guy. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined on the phone slash Skype slash over the interwebs by Nick Nepic from 105.3 The Fan and our uh, incoming draft expert. Nick, how are you doing? Doing well, man. How are you? I am excited. Nick, I'm going to do some some 10 questions with you as uh, Isaac did with uh, with Jonathan Charks and uh, with Jamil Warney this weekend. And so we will talk about all the draft stuff. Nick is uh, is all up in the draft business. He knows all about the, uh, the guys in the top 10 all throughout the draft. So we will get to that. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know Isaac is uh, – He's fine. He's fine. He he uh, wanted to spend some more time with his dad, who's, who's in town from Kentucky, so he's not going to be with us tonight. Um, but you're you're stuck with two Knicks, so if you have a problem with that, you should just probably stop right now. This is this is probably your uh, your jumping off point. Um, but Nick, let's get right into the uh, the draft business. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, number one overall, Isaac and I have been arguing about this for months. I, and this is just for the Mavericks. So if you're looking at okay. this from a Mavericks perspective, number one overall for Isaac has been, probably since the beginning, has been DeAndre Ayton. And for me, it has been Luka Doncic, who is right and who is an idiot. 
Well, I'd say you're both close, but I would probably, I mean, I've gone back and forth on this for a long time and my top three, especially early on, really shuffled. Uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of made its way and kind of, I think gotten to the point where it'll probably stay, but I have Deandre Ayton number one, as far as wish list for the Mavericks, if they're the number one pick and they can take anybody they want, that's who I want them to take. So DeAndre Ayton, the defense doesn't scare you. The fact that Rick Carlisle has had issues with bigs. Do either of those things scare you, and which one scares you more? Probably the defense, just because you know he has all the tools. He, I mean, he's a physical specimen. He, he looks like he should be able to block shots. He looks like he should be able to be a great rim protector, and he's just not that. And so that makes me wonder, is it an effort thing? And I know you know, people toss around the motor word all the time. You know, this guy doesn't have a good motor or how's his motor. And I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying, I don't know if he has any interest in playing defense. And that sort of goes back to just the style of basketball. Um, he's always had to play. I mean, AAU ball, they don't play any defense. And yeah. when you're the best player on the floor, you don't necessarily have to give a bunch of effort defensively. And in college, you know, he showed at times he, he wasn't able to defend uh, like a, a ball screen, for example, and that's all he's ever going to do in the NBA is a big, in today's NBA at least. So it's a little concerning to me that he never really, I mean, his defense got better. I'm not going to say it was horrible all year, but he never really was a dominant defender like he looked like he should be. Yeah, that was always sort of the weird thing for me is that he just, he has the appearance of a really good defender. He looks like, your, you know, your typical uh, like Rudy Gobert type. He looks like you're, you know, DeAndre Jordan. Like he looks like one of those guys so much. And sometimes we, we project that onto a guy and you look, I mean, he's averaging two blocks per, per 36. And so you're like, oh, well, he's you know getting some blocks. He's able to, you know, he has the, the appearance of a guy. If he could just learn verticality, maybe he'll be okay. But if you don't have the instincts, that that's really hard thing to teach. And uh, I don't know if Carlisle has the, <laughs> has like the bandwidth and has the, uh, if Carlisle has the the patience to deal with that, especially after dealing with uh, with Nerlens Noel, that that just scares me. And so for for that, and also for the fact that I think Doncic is probably has, probably has a higher ceiling than Aiden, I, I just I think that Doncic should be the pick there. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you know you're splitting hairs. I don't I don't think they're far apart. And if the Mavericks took Doncic and they had the first pick, I wouldn't be upset at all. I just tend to lean towards the big, and that's DeAndre Aiden. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Some people just get get locked into okay. Our front court needs really a lot of help, which it does, probably the most in the NBA. And so we need we need to get a big. I, I completely get that. So so speaking of bigs, Aiton's off the board. Doncic is off the board. Let's say the Mavericks are at three. Uh, they they somehow climb their way up into the tank standings. I think right now they're at five. Uh, they climb their way up there. They're at three. Doncic is gone. Aiton is gone. Who's your pick there? Well, that's interesting because I am. I have moved Jaron Jackson Jr. way up my board at four, but I have Marvin Bagley at three, and neither one of them are the uh, prototypical type big. I mean, people have really argued, I feel like, about Marvin Bagley, and he's dropped on a lot of people's you know, personal boards and gone down their list you know, sort of throughout the year, but he's just been dominant in college, and I've seen some people say, well, you know, we've seen a lot of guys be dominant in college, and then in the NBA, they're just another player. And while that certainly could be the case, I would have a hard time passing on Marvin Bagley. And admittedly, I like Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot, but I wouldn't take him at three. I think I would take Bagley uh, despite the concerns. You know, he only uses his left hand. He's also not a great defender, doesn't block shots. He's a smaller guy as far as his frame. But I think he projects best as a small ball type five. And I think Rick Carlisle could work with that. I think the Mavericks, you know, system could work with that. 
And so I'd be hard-pressed to not take Marvin Bagley if the Mavericks are picking at three. Yeah, the Marvin Bagley is also a place where, where Isaac and I have, have really differed <laughs> so far. We've been doing uh, – every month we've been trying to do our top ten boards. And uh, let's see, last month I had Marvin Bagley as my sixth guy, and he had his, him as the uh, the third guy. You, you and him are, are pretty much eye-to-eye there. The, the difference for me is the defense. I think if, if you're getting a guy like that, if you're going to play him at small ball five, which, which would be awesome, uh, to me, the, the comparison that I've heard that just has stuck in my brain is just a souped-up version of Dwight Powell, which sort of excites me in a way because you think about what Carlisle has done with Dwight Powell this year. Right. But then you're like, wait a minute. Is that, do, we, do we really want that? Is that what you want with the number three overall pick? Yeah. I, I would say most people would say no. And I, I get I get the concerns. Uh, I think his rebounding ability, I really, really like. You know, rebounding is a lot about effort. But if you watch Marvin Bagley, his second and third jump is better than almost anyone in college. I, he probably is better. And the defense is concerning. But I think offensively, he won't have much trouble, you know, at all at the NBA and I, I try to remember that he should be a senior in high school right now. So there's yeah, something gosh. to that as well. Yeah, you totally forget at the end of this that he reclassified and was supposed to be a senior this year and ended up going into the you know the NCAA's. And who knows, Duke could totally be screwed right now if they. And so would everybody's brackets if if uh, if he didn't end. That's up, the truth. Didn't end up doing that even more so than they are now. Uh, do you think the tournament does anything for Marvin Bagley? Because you, you, you mentioned that he's falling down some people's boards, and I think he has he has for a lot of people's. Do you think this run that they could go on, if they make it, let's say, the Final Four or the championship game, do you think that, that could help him in any way? I think it could help him a little bit, maybe a spot or two. But I, at least in my personal evaluation, I do my very best to not – uh, use the tournament as a, a huge swing. You know, think back to Nick Stauskas from Michigan, whenever that was. Stauskas. Uh, he uh, he pit or he had, was like the number seven overall pick. He had a huge tournament run, and that sort yeah. of vaulted him in, in, into a mid lottery pick. And he's been a, a good role player at best in the NBA. So I I mean he I don't know why he's the one that sticks out in my mind. There's been others, but he's the one that sticks out to me. He really jumped uh, people's uh, he jumped on people's list because of his term, tournament performance. So because of that, I try not to over-evaluate the tournament, but it means something. You know, it's the biggest stage. It's single elimination. You're normally going up against the best players. So it could move him a spot or two, but I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I, I mean, he's going to be in the lottery just depending on which team is picking. He might be top three. He might be top just top ten. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Marvin Bagley, but I don't think the tournament is going to move the needle too terribly much. Yeah, Isaac and I talked about this a little yesterday where – you can't put too much into it. And I think the reason why people do put so much stock into it, and it's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm uh, one of one of the reasons I kind of put into it is that this is the first time a lot of people are watching these guys for a full game instead right. of just highlights instead of just that. And I admittedly am that person. Uh, I take a lot of my stuff from other people. I read, you know, I read sites. I, I read stuff that, you know, that you have written that it's on the steppy and, you know, sometimes the draft express guys, you know, you read all that kind of stuff and try to just piece together all this. Cause I'm not going to watch a whole college game. I, the other day I, I tried to watch the Michigan state Syracuse game and I fell asleep at least once. So <laughs> uh, that was, a, that was a bad, uh, a bad one. I mean, it was the tournament, but man, and it was unimpressive, oh, but I, under- I, I can understand why that one put you to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> it was 25 to 22 at halftime, and I was like, man, all these people trying to convince me that college basketball is good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, 
Uh, yeah. So Marvin Bagley, he's definitely. I feel like he's definitely split for a lot of people. Uh, his fit with Harrison Barnes also does. It, I'm I'm nervous about it as far as going forward. And I know maybe Harrison Harrison Barnes only has two years left on his contract, but I think he's I think he's here for the long haul with the Mavericks. Uh, his fit with Harrison Barnes. How do you see that that fitting going forward? Yeah, I mean, I I think you've got a point there. You know, it would suit the I guess suit Marvin Bagley or suit the uh, the system better. We'll say if they had a more perimeter minded wing type player. And Harrison Barnes, while he can play on the perimeter, he's a great player. Uh, you know, he's that's not where he's at his best, or at least he he can do more than just be out on the perimeter. And Marvin Bagley is such an inside scorer; he doesn't score much on the perimeter, so they kind of clash there. And uh, you know, while there's there's something to that. One of my and I might think this way to a fault, but one of my philosophies is I don't get worried about fit. I just want the best player, and mm. I'll let the co- coach figure that out. Now, there's there are points where you know fit comes into play. You know, whenever Trey Young got off to his super hot start, and you know he was projected as a top three pick, and people were saying, "Oh, what if the Mavs are there and they're you know number three and the yeah. top two top two choices are gone?" Trey Young is a guy that I would not have wanted because he's a ball dominant player. And Dennis Smith Jr., in my opinion, is much better when he's on the ball. And so you're taking the ball out of one of their hands, thus making one of them not as good. So in that situation, I think you worry about fit. Uh, but with a guy like you know, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, while there could be some clashing there, I would trust a coach like Rick Carlisle to work that out. Yeah, for sure. And then, then you just have to figure out, you try to put a, uh, a shot-blocking five behind them, some guy that can... Uh, you hopefully you find some sort of unicorn that can also hit shots because you need, you need a, another guy to space the floor. You can't have, you know, only three guys that shoot the ball on the te- on the uh, the floor at the same time anymore. It's just kind of the way, kind of way the NBA is. If you want to be a really really good team, uh, Trey Young. So you would not pick him under any circumstances. I mean, I guess if he was, you know, if it was the second round. Why not? But that I mean, that's not going to happen. But I wouldn't say <laughs> yeah. not under any circumstance. But with where the Mavericks are likely going to pick i would i would stay away from trey young yeah we we definitely isaac and i definitely would too i threw him in my my top 10 at the beginning just because i didn't really know anybody else and i was like well i mean if they get all the way to say 10 like let's go for it i mean you know if he gets there you might as well just just trade for him at that point or trade down or you know do whatever you have to do uh to to get you know uh more assets or something like that so michael porter jr is another guy that uh is going to be very divisive going into the draft. And I think the combine is going to do really, really good for him. Is there anything that we can look to before, you know, we see the combine before we see like his medicals or hear about that kind of stuff that could sway us one way or the other, that Porter jr. Should be selected in like the top five, man. I don't think so. Uh, you know, back injuries are, are tricky. He was great in high school uh, on the AAU and like the summer circuits. Really good. But, Man, he just coming off such a serious, you know, long-term out most, I mean, we'll just say all of the season type injury. Uh, that concerns me uh, quite a bit. You know, he's a, he's a three-level scorer when he's at his best, and he's a scoring player. He's not much of a defender. I mean, I guess you could say that with just about any of these freshmen. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, when, when, he, when he was at his best, I think, you, you, you know, he was the top recruit in that class for a reason. So you – you know, you'd be comfortable taking him, you know, in the top three. But even with, you know, his medicals, they're probably going to check out just fine. Even in that case, I think, you know, 
I'm just a little nervous about the back injury. And, you know, he looked rusty. He played, what was it? He played, I guess, three games uh, or two games. No, three games, excuse me, with Missouri. And, you know, he looked exactly how you'd think he would look. You know, he put up a lot of shots. He he looked rusty doing it. He hasn't played competitive basketball in many months, and he wasn't in basketball shape. So I, I don't take anything from that. But the back injury is the thing that would make me, you know, a little nervous. And I guess being in Dallas, you know, on the football side of things, Dallas fans have experienced back injuries quite a bit. So maybe that's part of it. But I would be weary to take him in the top three. Now, if you're picking at six and Michael Porter Jr. is there, I probably am okay with that. And I guess, you know, three picks, what's the big difference? But if uh, Aiton, Doncic, Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Bamba, any of those guys are still left, I'm picking them over Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, uh, so if he does deal with that back injury, maybe he has a good CBS job that he could uh, he could run to after yeah there we <laughs> after his career there we go if he goes to Dallas, uh, that just seems like the uh, the path now. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you mentioned some other guys. Uh, Mo Bamba, this is a guy that, that Isaac and I have been, been really intrigued with. I think uh, I think he'd be a really great fit in Dallas. He's you know already been in, in Texas. Uh, Mo Bamba, is he... After Aiton and Jackson Jr. and Bagley, is he the next big on your on your board? He is. He is at number five for me. Uh, I really like Mo Bamba. You know, I've I, I've seen some people be a little down on him lately. You know, just heard people talking. But man, he's gonna. I really do think he could step on an NBA floor at the beginning and beginning of next season and be an elite defender. Uh, you know, block shots, protect the rim. You know, he's small. Like his frame is not great, but that dude's arms are like insane he can reach any anything i mean within the area Uh, he's got big upside Uh, i think offensively he's never going to bring you a ton but he can roll to the rim he can catch lobs and he can shoot it a little bit and just the threat of shooting it when you're coming down the floor i think is you know worth something uh but you know what does he bring offensively as a big? You know in today's NBA where your bigs have to be able to step out and kind of do a little bit more. They can't just camp out under the basket. So there are concerns, but defensively, I really like Mobamba. Like you, I like his fit in, or his potential fit, I should say, in Dallas. I think they could use him. The type of player he is defensively would really help them out. You know he he's going to be under the the basket and he's going to block a ton of shots. And offensively, he might give you a few dazzling dunks, but maybe that's all you ever get from him. And I think that'd be fine. Like, if you're picking at five and you get, uh, I guess, an elite defender who's okay offensively, I'm okay with that. Like, I sign up for that, and I I hope he develops a little bit of an offensive game and let him be the best defensive center in the NBA one day. That's fine with me. Ooh. For people that have not seen him or for people that are just getting out of the draft, because this is kind of the time when people start paying attention to that. How is Mo Bamba different than Nerlens Noel? Why shouldn't we just keep Nerlens Noel around? He's going to be at a lower price than he was asking for last year. Why shouldn't we just keep him, try to roll with him instead of going with Mo Bamba? Because if you pick Mo Bamba, it almost seems like you're giving up on Nerlens. Yeah, that's a fair question. They're, they're similar styles. I think just 
you know, something that would, I guess, sway me is that Mo Bamba's only 19 years old. You know, he's more moldable. Nerland's Noel is sort of Nerland's Noel at this point. Now, <laughs> I mean, he's you know, only he, 23, so. <laughs> yeah, but like he's been he's been in the league. You know, what is it? I guess this would be his what fifth season. Yeah, uh, fourth. I you think. know, at, uh, yeah, fourth, fifth. At that point, you're. I feel like at least mentally, he's probably pretty set in his ways. Now he has a lot to prove. Because he bet on himself and it didn't really work out too well. Yeah, you're talking he about has, you're talking about setting his ways. He, this summer, he was definitely setting his ways and what he wanted. Right, exactly. So I think uh, just for that reason, I, I would want a, a young guy like Mo Bamba. You know, Mo Bamba. I'm not saying anything about Nerlens Noel's intelligence. I've you know never sat down with him or anything like that. But Mo Bamba like was close to. I think he got into Harvard. I don't know if he was close to going there, but he got in there. You know, he's a, a really bright kid, really smart kid. You know, Shaka Smart was surprised that I, you know, he got the chance to coach him. I don't know, uh, you know, how much that matters, but it's at least a, a positive sign. And so, just you know, the attitude, you know, the the uh, ability to mold him into the player that you want him to be as a 19-year-old. You know, Nerlens Noel played in Philadelphia, where they were trying to lose games. And I don't care who you are, when you've been told, "Hey, we're losing games for the the early part of your career," you've been given millions of dollars. You're coming off a, a serious injury where you missed most of your the second half of your college career. That kind of does something in your mind that is hard to reverse. So I, I like Nerlens. I, I you know like seeing him back on the floor. I hope he succeeds. But Mo Bamba to me, the young you know he's a younger player, and I think because of that, there's a little more upside. Whereas Nerlens Noel, even though he's still young by you know the world standards and by culture standards, in the NBA he's been there a while and. I don't know how much of a different player you're getting next year than what you've already seen this year. Yeah, and also, you know, listening to this podcast, you know that even I, I'm the one that's more optimistic about Nerlens Noel's situation, and it's only like 17 percent that he would want to come back to the Mavericks. So, <laughs> if you're looking at it, if you're looking at it that way, I just we just don't think he's going to come back. Uh, and Isaac has talked to him probably more than anybody else in the entire Mavs media. Uh, maybe in national media. I mean, he's talked to him a lot, so I think he has a pretty good handle on that. And I don't think he would come back, even if you know, even depending on what they offer him. But I, I just don't think that that that's plausible right now. So, Mo Bamba definitely a good fit. I did not know that he considered Harvard. I just googled that while you were were doing that because I thought you got him confused with the next guy I want to talk about, uh, Wendell Carter. He is a guy that that a lot of people have been split on. Some people have called him like an Al Horford type. Uh, he also considered going to Harvard, which is right. really, really weird to me that these two bigs that are projected to go in the lottery were both considering Harvard. Imagine if they went together. I mean, that'd be a pretty good, that'd be a pretty decent pairing. Uh, Man, that'd be a double digit seed making a final four run, maybe. Huh? Gosh, that would, well, it depends on what kind of guards they could put around them, but. Yeah, so that's true. They would run the Ivy League, that's for sure. They would be, yeah, they would be the Ivy League version of uh, what AM is doing right now. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, Wend- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Wendell Carter. Uh, Guy that I think, like you said, really on people's radars right now. If the Mavericks pick nine, man, I like I really want Wendell Carter Jr. Al Horford, I think, is a decent comparison. He's bigger than like his body is bigger than Al Horford, and he seems kind of stronger and especially strong for a, a teenager. Uh, his body is kind of already, I think, NBA ready. You know, maybe not one hundred percent, but he's like off to a good start. Yeah, he's six ten, two fifty seven. That, that's pretty. Right. That's pretty filled out. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, he's more of a traditional style. He's great around the basket. I, he's got really good footwork, you know, posting up. I think he's a great rebounder. Stepping out, he's okay. You know, he like his form is not bad, but sometimes he misses really bad. 
so he'll need to you know just become a better shooter. Uh, he's a he's a good passer uh, in the post. I just think that one thing that people when they watch him play when he you know is playing at Duke, he's just stuck down on the low block and people think that's all he can do. And you know he's more athletic than that. He can do a little bit more than that. Uh, I you know I worry about. How will he, you know, in college, he relies on his strength a lot. He dominates uh, guys down low, especially when he has the ball. Uh, I wouldn't think that he would do that in the NBA because I think he would be told, hey, that's not how it works here. But, you know, when a guy gets, you know, set in the way he likes to play, you know, maybe he would struggle early on, get pushed around when he has the ball. Uh, You know, we'll see what, you know, what comes of him in the NBA. But I, I like Wendell Carter a lot. You know, he's, I have him right now. Uh, number nine on my top 10 and that's higher than I had him at the beginning of the season. He's played really well as of late, uh, but like I said, more of a traditional type, big kind of, he's not a, a great you know shot blocker. He's a decent one, uh, but defensively, I think he's pretty good. Now he'll, he plays zone at Duke, which doesn't project anything to the NBA when he played man to man, he struggled. So that's concerning, but I like Wendell Carter jr. A lot. And I think, he he seems like a great kid, you know, got into Harvard, smart kid. And so I think you'd be getting a really good one with him. And also a musical theater guy, apparently. So Oh, yeah. yeah I, I actually was hearing that. I, I had heard it before the season, but they were talking about it at one of the tournament games he played. And apparently, like, he was a big-time musical theater guy. Like, would like to be, you know, under the lights and, you know, a part of it, not just like a run the sound or something like right. that. So that'd be a fun talent Maybe maybe people could get out of him. You know, post game after you know he has a big game as a rookie. Like, you know, do you do, you do any like you know is your trash talk part of your theater? I don't know, something like that. But that'd be that'd be a fun thing to talk about Wendell Carter Jr. with. That that sounds like some hazing opportunities for sure. Oh, yeah, I think that Definitely. for the uh, Mavs ball or something like that. Uh, so Wendell Carter's six ten. He's in a musical theater. I just found this out the other day. In high school, I did musical theater. Mm-hmm. I one of the first or second shows that I ever auditioned for was my school musical. Uh, it was Your Good Man Charlie Brown, and there's only like six or seven you know parts in that whole thing, and uh, they're each of the peanut characters, you know, the Charlie Brown thing, and I was auditioning to be Linus, and so I went in, I auditioned. I am six three, so I'm you know I'm taller than pretty much everybody that was in musical theater at the time. And it got down to the end. It was between me and this other guy. And I didn't get it. Even though I sang better than this other guy, I didn't get it because I was too tall. What kind of roles is Wendell Carter Jr. getting at 6'10"? That's what I want to know. Yeah. All right, Wendell. uh, We'll stick you in the back. You're gonna be in the you're gonna be in the chorus for this one. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time we'll get you a front row seat. Oh man, I, that'd be one of the first questions I asked him. What kind of roles did you get at six ten? Not a bad question, man. All right. Uh, so you're saying if the if let's say Bamba, Bagley, Porter, Jackson Jr., Aiton are all off the board, you would go with Wendell Carter. I, I mean, I, I like him. I, if, like, if they were at seven, I don't know if I'd take him there. I guess I probably would. I, I like him a lot, but, uh, you know, I'd be more – I would definitely want him around eight or nine you know, if he was there. Uh, but personally, I have him ranked at ninth. Yeah. The guy that I would take – so if we're saying that Aiton, Doncic, Jackson Jr., Porter, Bagley, Bamba are all off the board, the guy that I really want, the guy that I want more than all these guys irrationally – is uh is Michael Bridges? I've just we, Isaac and I have both just kind of 
Uh, really love this guy. He has that you know seven foot one wingspan. He's the six seven. He's the perfect three and D type. And if you try to think of three and D types in the NBA right now that are built like him, there's not too many. Right. Uh, you know, uh, every team in the NBA could use uh, Mikel Bridges, like three and D. Every team in the NBA, and so I think just the the position of need, you know, that makes him all the more valuable. And like he said, seven one wingspan. He's had an awesome tournament and had an awesome Big East tournament, by the way. He shoots the ball. He defends. I mean, dude is athletic. And something I really like, you know, he's an older player, but he's improved every year at Villanova, which is just a great sign. You know, he, he wants to get better. He's improved every year. He's become more of a scorer, and he plays on a really good team. So he's a lot of fun. I, I really like him a lot, and uh, people have liked him all year, but – I just think now the the casual fan is seeing him uh, for, for Villanova, and hopefully they realize that he could help any team. So no matter where you're picking, I think he'd be a safe pick, and it could really fit anywhere. Yeah, he, it'd be an amazing fit next to Dennis. We talked about that yesterday on the podcast. Only only twenty one and a half, so it's not like he's you know this twenty three, twenty four year old senior or whatever. He's a junior. Uh, he's not like he's not like AJ Hammonds coming into the Mavericks last year, where he was like 24 and already kind of like I mean, he was older than Harrison Barnes when he when he got here. So. <laughs> I for, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but like this year, Mikel Bridges is shooting 44 percent from three. Yeah, I mean, 18 points, five rebounds, 51 percent from the field, and 44 percent from three. I mean, that that translates and that helps any team out. I I would be. Very happy with uh, Mikel Bridges in Dallas. Yeah, and he doesn't have, let's say, you know, people like to say the high ceiling. He's not going to turn into like a Kevin Durant, even though he kind of looks like him. You know, he's not going to turn into that. Uh, he has some shot creation, but got issues, you know, dribbling the ball in closed spaces. He has, you know, some issues with that. But you just stick him out on the wing, and we've seen what what you know Dennis has been able to do with Wes in his first year. Wes is, right. you know, three point percentage has gone up. What is like it's like eight points or something like that, which is just yeah. cr- you know crazy for a guy that you know uh, in his position that was just already a good three point shooter. So you throw him out there, I just, it would be a great fit. You could play him at two, you could play him at three. Sometimes you could play him at four. You could get away with that, um, but I would just. I mean, I would take him over all these guys right now, but that's kind of the irrational. You know, he's still in the tournament kind of love that you know you, you give a guy when, when yeah. you love it. But he's he's also a great example of, and you mentioned this earlier, of a guy that stayed in school, got better, and really stepped into his own. And like you said, had a good, you know, really good Big East, and just now having a really good tournament, really taking it, taking over. And I think that that kind of confidence builds with being able to you know have your own team. And I think a lot of these guys still need that. I feel like. There's certain guys just should have stayed a little bit longer, and I'm glad that he did. Oh yeah, he's he's improved by it. He has improved his you know potential earnings and his draft stock in his career, and uh, he should be a top ten pick, and almost certainly will be. For sure, Nick Nebick, thank you so much for joining us on the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, bringing your knowledge. We really appreciate it, man. Of course, man. Anytime. All right, guys, uh, you can go listen to Nick Nepic on 105.3 The Fan along with lots of my friends. <laughs> you can go listen to, uh, go listen to them. Uh, Nick, where else can they read you or, or hear you? Um, on Twitter, at Nick Nepic. I write blogs from time to time, and I will probably pick that up. Oh, once we get through the tournament, I'll really start writing a bit more, but you can find it on Twitter. That's the easiest way, uh, at Nick Nepic. That's N-I-C-K. N e p p a c h. There you go, and we will uh, we'll put that and tag you in our uh, post of this podcast on Twitter. You can again follow us at Lockdown Mavs. You can follow me at Nick Van Exit, and you can follow 
Isaac whenever he gets back at Isaac L. Harris. So there you go. Follow that stuff. Really appreciate you guys listening. Peace out. Boom. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.